Hello, everyone, and welcome into this edition of the Sports Detective Podcast. I am your host, James Williams, and today I am going to talk to you about a few things here. going to talk about Odell Beckham. I'm going to talk about J.J. Watt because he just got released from the Texans this morning and everyone's freaking out about it. I'm going to talk about a little bit of post-Super Bowl coverage, um, but not a topic that I think everyone is talking about. Something to do with the streaker that won a lot of money for streaking on the field or running onto the field. I guess he's not technically a streaker. But first, let's start here. Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham is one of the most famous players in the NFL right now. He's the Browns' star-wide receiver, and it is the offseason, which in the offseason, trade rumors come come about, which is becoming more of a thing now and seems more abundant than we have in any other NFL offseason I can ever remember. And a few days ago, Odell seems like he's in some trade rumors, whether it's to the Packers, whether it's to the Bucks, whether it's to another contender. We're seeing that. As you probably know, Odell Beckham only played seven games this season. His season was obviously cut short after tearing his ACL late October. It was his second season in Cleveland. So the question I want to ask, the question I want to talk about, is should the Browns trade Odell? And if the Browns were to trade Odell, what would a team give up for him what would they give up now i read a little bit about this i heard people talking about it and i just have a question about this this is people overreacting this is a brand pick here with odell odell since his past his third season he hasn't made a pro bowl since 2016 He's only played 16 games twice in his career. The last time he caught 10 touchdown passes in a season was also 2016. A reminder that that was five years ago. He's also only had a total of 16 touchdowns the last four seasons. I'm not sure what the infatuation here is with Odell. I understand why a team would trade for him. I understand why the Browns would trade him. The Browns obviously can trade him and not take on any dead cap money. If you've seen anything the last two seasons, he doesn't seem to have a rapport with Baker. He doesn't. Baker's play like Baker can say what he wants. He can be a good sport about that. Odell can be a good sport about that. But you can just look at the numbers, and Baker has played better without Odell. So, I saw this, I I was looking, researching this topic, and I saw a, I'm not sure if it was an actual report, I don't know if it was a fan site, I don't know if it was just someone's blog, but I saw a potential trade for Odell, where someone was throwing in Vita Vea, who is the uh, Bucks, this is for a Bucks trade, because that was where I first heard this news, a 
Bucks trade where it would be Vita Vea, who's the Bucks defensive tackle, who they drafted pretty high in the draft. Antoine Winfield, the guy that did the taunting thing to Tyree Kill late in the Super Bowl. And then two other players who I assume are pretty good. I can't remember the two other us off the top of my head. Why? First off, for the, let's take for the Bucks perspective, why? Why would they want Odell Beckham? Now, I, I want to start off here by saying this too. I don't think Odell's a bad guy. I don't think he's a bad teammate. I don't think he's a problem in the locker room. But I think Odell, for the price tag that he is, for he just seems to be, he seems to have more distractions. He, he's not, like, he's not worth the trouble. The amount of money that you're paying him isn't going to equal the on-field production. And if you're a team like the Buccaneers and you have Mike Evans and you have Scotty Miller, who you just found, you can re-side Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin will be a better fit, and Chris Godwin will also be a better player than Odell. He's been a better player the last for, – for Chris Godwin got into the league in 2017. Since Godwin got into the league, he's been a better player than Odell. Odell is overrated. Let's talk about a few of his – off-field stories Odell has had just been the time he's been in Cleveland. I believe it was his first or second game. He wore a quarter of a million dollar watch on the field, a rules violation. Following that up next week by having an illegal visor. Now, these are pretty petty. These are pretty... Really don't mean that much. But we are talking... You're such a star... We're going to be talking about these things. This is actually news that we're going to be talking about what you were wearing. And I understand that's a brand thing. But you're a football player. Odell has become one of those girls on The Bachelor that aren't actually there to find love. Or all the girls on The Bachelor. They aren't there to find love. They're there to get noticed. They're there to become influencers. To boost their social media profile. So they can brand themselves to become famous. That's what he is. That's what he was using his NFL stage for. He also had another, he was actually fined for a uniform violation, something where he didn't have his knees covered up, which is something I kind of back him up on. But it's also, you're the kid in the class that keeps getting in trouble. You know that, go back to your school days. You're, you know, there's one kid in the class that's always getting in trouble and then they might just do one minor thing. And then the teacher snaps at him. And they're like, what did I do? It wasn't that bad. It's like, well, because you have priors. <laughs> not like like not like criminally, but because you've messed up in the past, you have a reputation. You're going to get punished for more punitive things. That's just how it is. Or how about this? 2019 National Championship game. Odell Beckham was handing out $100 bills. Not not discreetly. Not not like, hey, uh you know, when we're we're hanging out in the off season, just you're at my crib or whatever, I'll I'll give you 100. Here you go. This is for winning the championship right on the field. Now, the headlines for this were pretty bad when it happened. I went back and reread them. It made it seem like Odell giving those guys 100 you know, $2,000, which was stupid, by the way. It made it seem like that LSU lost 
eight scholarships and had limitations on the recruiting visits. In reality, he just got banned for two years. The other allegations from were from uh, where uh, the other sanctions were from allegations of them paying the father of an offensive lineman a bunch of money from a booster. But it's a horrible headline. Those players are probably going to go to the NFL and might have better careers than the NFL. If it was Jamar Chase, if it was Joe Burrow, they're going to have better careers than him. He's known he's known more off the field than he is on. And hey, I'm not saying don't trade for him, but the idea that you give up four starters for him, the idea that you give up a first-round pick for him, do people realize that the Browns lost that trade? They lost the Odell trade. They gave up Jabril Peppers, a really good player. They gave up the first-round picks who the Giants used on a defensive lineman who has been really good for them. They also gave up a third-round pick. I don't know what he's became, but... We typically don't track that stuff on later round draft picks and trades. They lost that trade. So what would a team give up for Odell? Well, first off, you have to look at a team that wants him. You have to look at the money because he still has three years left on his contract. And if you're going to pay him, you're going to pay him pretty good these next three years. And if he, if you trade for him, let's say the Packers the Packers right because Aaron Rodgers doesn't have any good receivers let's say the Packers give up a second round pick for Odell well Odell Beckham at the earliest based on the time he tore his ACL probably isn't going to be recovered from that until July early August around there so he's going to be he's going to have pretty much no offseason and then he's going to be jumping right into the regular season, training camp, and preseason. And this is a guy, too, remember, he's regressed over his career. And this is his first major injury, like like legitimately like major injury. So we don't even know what he'll look like. There's with with the technology now, with how we've seen people recover from injuries, it's probably safe to assume that he'll be still be pretty good that he'll be a decent NFL wide receiver he won't be a complete bust but if you're the Browns and Odell has made Baker look worse and he's been more of a he's been made more news off the field since he's been in Cleveland than news on the field if I could get a second round pick for Odell Beckham I am jumping at that that's a no-brainer I'd get a first. If I could get a first, oh my God, I I am like immediately like, let's draw up the paperwork now. Let's draw it up. It just doesn't seem, yeah. I understand a team wanting to get him. The Bucks make no sense. The Packers kind of make sense. But again, it's a, it's a risk. It's a risk. And if you're, maybe if you are a team like the Packers and it, or Seattle to a lesser degree, who you guys kind of have a little bit of a controversy right now where it's like, is our quarterback, do, does our quarterback like us? Huh? Does, does he still like me? Does he still think I'm hot? Does, does he still think I'm sexy? It's like, hey, you know, hey, we can get this Odell piece. That's a little sexy, right? At least it is off the field. I could understand that. 
All right. Coming up next, why everyone is freaking out over J.J. Watt for the wrong reasons. Let's talk about this story. J.J. Watt and the Houston Texans mutually agreed to part ways Friday morning. Watt released a video on social media informing Houston fans of his release. It was emotional. He talked about the community. He talked about how he loved supporting the community, how they supported him, how when he got there, he was just a kid from Wisconsin. They booed at him when he got drafted. They talked. He talked about how ever since that moment, they have been 100% supportive of him, and they loved him. He loves the Houston community. He loves Houston. He is leaving Houston Texans as their all-time leader in sacks, and he is undoubtedly the franchise's most most significant player in its history. Over his 10 seasons in the NFL, he won three Defensive Player of the Year awards, he led the NFL in sacks twice, and he also made five All-Pros. Now, I agree that J.J. Watt is a terrific human. He's classy. That video was emotional. It was classy, and it was great. You could tell how much he meant to Houston. The things that he – he was super impactful on the NFL football field. He's a Hall of Fame NFL football player right now if he decided to retire today. He's also a Hall of Fame philanthropist for the charitable work that he did in Houston. The fact that he donated millions of his own dollars and the fact that he raised millions of dollars for the hurricane relief in southern Texas, in the Houston area, is spectacular. It's amazing. What I want to talk about is the reaction. I first heard of the news this morning. I was watching Get Up, you know, the ESPN show hosted by Mike Greenberg, and they had to interrupt a segment. And you could tell that it was post-Super Bowl, and there has been a lot of, it's been slow news. There hasn't been much stuff going on. Even if you listen to my podcast over the last few days, there's not much stuff I'm talking about. It's trade rumors. It's uh, a little bit of NBA stuff here and there. But it's been kind of slow, a little bit of slow news. And these guys that are doing two-hour shows, three-hour shows, four-hour shows or whatever, they have to find things to talk about. But when I heard them break the news this morning, they interrupted a segment, and it was like, oh, my God, break news. I was like, wait a second, did Carson Wentz just get traded or something? Did did something happen with Deshaun Watson? It's like, did did something huge happen? And it was like, no, the, the Texans mutually parted ways with J.J. Watt. He asked for a release. He got released. And everyone has been losing their minds. Maybe not losing their minds. But in my opinion, overreacting to it. Because they're like, oh my god, this is... How can Deshaun Watson stand this? How, Houston, they got rid of J.J. Watt? What? What does this mean? Why Why would that happen? Oh my god, this is horrible. This just shows that Houston is so dysfunctional and they do not know what they are doing. I was shocked by those reactions. Because when I've been looking up more stuff with NFL contracts recently, trying to figure out dead cap and stuff with quarterbacks, and this site that I use, it's called 
I don't know how they uh, pronounce it or they want it to be pronounced. It's called like spot rack. S P O T R A C.com. That's where I get my stuff, which it's very accurate. It's very detailed. It's very specific on contract stuff. It's great stuff. If you want to learn more about uh, professional athletes contracts. And I read something on there because I clicked it. It was like, oh, guys that are more likely to be traded or released this offseason. And J.J. Watt was on that list. So I wasn't shocked by it at all. I was like, oh, like, I might even talked about it on the podcast when I was talking about the Texans at some point. I might have said, oh, well, they're not going to keep J.J. Watt. They're going to release him or trade him or something. But I was just shocked by the outpour of it. Because this is a business and it was either, hey, we can mutually, we could try and find a trade, but would they, would the Texans be honoring J.J. Watt? Again, it's a business, but would they be honoring the most successful, the most important player in their franchise history if they traded him to, I don't know, a team he didn't want to go, let's say the Patriots or something for like a third round pick. And he's just on the Patriots that go 9-7 and and losing the wild card. And he didn't want to go to New England. Would that be showing good by their best player, especially for the Texans right now? And you really need to have good, even though this was horrible PR for the way people react, some people reacted to it, you need to try and be nice, you know, show more respect to some players because you have a bad reputation in the league right now. So that would probably, you know, people would probably reward them. Well, they probably would have criticized them for only getting a third-round pick. But they would have criticized them for, like, oh, my God, and they just shipped J.J. Watt off for nothing. They shipped him off for nothing. Or, parting ways, they take zero dead cap money. Instead of, what what is a criticism that we've always had of the Texans? How they spend their money. That, that's a criticism that we've had of the Texans. This was a smart move financially because if they kept J.J. Watt, there would have been, they would have to pay him $17 million. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money, but they lost him for nothing. And if you've noticed anything with J.J. Watt, this second contract that he signed, it's not, he hasn't been good in it. It's been, and a lot of it's because of injuries, but injuries matter if you're paying a dude six years, $100 million, which obviously he was released before the last year of it. But he missed 32 games combined over the last five seasons. That's 40% of his games out due to injury. That would have helped Deshaun Watson be a little bit more successful, don't you think? He was healthier. He's 32 years old. If you look at his stats from last season, I got this off the athletic. Watt finished second among defensive linemen and tackles for loss. That's pretty good. First in pass breakup, seven, which is also pretty good, but if you that's how he plays. He's a guy that you know they used to call him JJ Swat, swatting balls down. Let's see here. He generated pressure on 8, 8.1% of his opponent's dropbacks, which ranks 60th out of 93 defensive linemen who played at least 500 snaps. Eh, not that good. His five sacks and 17 quarterback hits were both career lows for a fully healthy season. 
He even recorded more QB hits, 21, while playing in just eight games the previous season before tearing his pectoral muscle. So J.J. Watt is not a good player anymore. He can still be a decent role player on some teams. That's a possibility. It's possible that he can be a role player on some teams, that he can be like a third down pass rusher or something. But for the Texans to keep him and pay him $17 million would have been stupid. That would have been something that the Texans would do. They probably would have... A, a Texans, a poor dysfunctional Texans decision would have been to re-sign him at huge money. He did not do good this contract. Since he's been on this contract, it's been a lot of missed time. It's been, and he had one really good season there where he got all pro. But let's not act like he won the defensive player of the year last year. I saw pro football uh, talk, or it was either pro football talk or pro football focus. They tweeted out, Wait, so Deshaun Watson wants to leave, and they they were refusing to trade him, but J.J. Watt decides to leave, decides he wants out, and and they release him? What the heck? I'd be like, well, that's not logical. And maybe that's just me. I'm a very logical person in the way that I think. And my logic was, oh, yeah, they, they decided to get rid of him. Duh. They're saving money. They're not paying money. It's a smart move. They decided to release him and have him go to the team of his choice rather than for them to trade him for the best offer. Especially when you need to repair player relations around the league when you got former players like DeAndre Hopkins and Andre Johnson coming out and saying how dysfunctional the team is and how Deshaun Watson should want to get the heck out of there. And also, too, when his video, it wasn't like JJ, I, I watched it. J.J. Watt wasn't didn't come out and say, oh, and yes, this was the best decision of my life to leave Houston because the organization's so poorly run. No, it wasn't like that at all. And I even checked too, guys. I checked for this. As far as I can tell, he wasn't doing Morse code by blinking his eyes or something to try and send a coded message to Deshaun Watson. Rapidly blinking. Get out now. Ask to be released. I was just surprised at the outcry for that. It's almost just he was going to get released whether Deshaun Watson was asking for a trade or not. And this probably wouldn't even be as big of a story if Deshaun Watson didn't ask for a trade. Just something to think about. If you want to talk about contenders, it looks like Pittsburgh's one of the places he could potentially go. Maybe Tampa. He's from Wisconsin, played school at Wisconsin, Green Bay. Green Bay, he could be Aaron Rodgers' number two wide receiver, right? He was a first-round pick. Aaron Rodgers can finally throw that coveted touchdown to a first-round pick so that we can stop criticizing the Green Bay wide receivers because apparently only good wide receivers are taken in the first round. That's a fact, right? All right, I'm a little off topic there. Coming up next... I'm going to tell you why some prop bets are problematic. All right, I think I'm going to finish off the podcast today with this story. At the five-minute mark in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, the game had to be paused because a fan ran onto the field. 
This brought in some excitement to a not-so-exciting game. You know who else was excited about this? Anyone who placed a prop bet on a fan running onto the field during the game. The odds were plus 750 on a gambling site. I'm not going to name the gambling site. A plus 750 win, uh, bet is $100 to win $750, by the way. But the plot thickens when the man, I'm not going to give his name, went to social media and radio shows. He told a local Tampa radio station that him and his friends placed huge wagers totaling up to over $50,000 on a fan running onto the field. This wager ended up paying out over $375,000. The man obviously got arrested and charged with criminal trespassing, a first-degree misdemeanor. But the story doesn't end there, because he was seen on his Instagram page Monday night, the night after the Super Bowl, congratulating Mike Evans on camera for his Super Bowl win. Mike Evans, congrats to my man right here. The man said, we're a little bit closer than we were earlier yesterday. Okay. So, if you go on, I read this whole article on The Athletic about it. Sorry, I'm not naming the journalist's name, uh, even though I didn't name the betting site's name, and I didn't name the, the Stormer's name. Stormer? Streaker? Runner? Let's just call him Streaker even though he technically wasn't naked. The guy pretty much ran out of the field uh, supporting a adult swimsuit site. Not sure what happened there. That was, was That's what, like, the swimsuit that he was wearing is really weird. And the, uh, the journalist for The Athletic that wrote this article pretty much went down his, like, entire... And I think he's a guy for Tampa. Went down this dude's, like, entire arrest record. Because apparently this dude... This wasn't the first time he got arrested. He got arrested a bunch of other times before that. And I doubt the other times he got arrested, he didn't get released from jail on a $500 bond and win over $300,000 and then get to go party with Mike Evans, which I I don't know. I didn't look up the video. I have no idea. Maybe it was just like a 10-second encounter and that was it. But this is interesting. This is weird. This is something that I think I'm not going to press the panic button, but I'm going to put it on like a watch list of things to monitor. Because if you go and look, read through that article too, the the betting site said that they were going to refund everyone that said no on if a sand's going to storm the field. Imagine your parlay getting screwed up because of that. That would be something. Anyway. But they were also going to honor all of their bets. But this is something that's interesting because this was probably a record low for an attendance at a Super Bowl. Next year, it's going to be a lot crazier, hopefully. There's going to be a lot of people there. Like, how are... like? What's going to stop another person? And maybe ticket prices will go up probably next year for another Super Bowl. What's going to stop another guy from running, making a huge bet and then running onto the field? If you even read the uh, article too, the guy that uh, the guy that really ran all the way end zone to end zone, 
He had another person also run the field too who didn't make it that far as a way to distract the guards or the security so that he could really get onto the field and then they could cash in the bet. And I'm not sure how you solve this problem, whether the NFL really cracks down on these gambling sites and restricts what they can bet on, which I think it's weird if you are if you can bet on a guy committing a crime because it's it's a crime he got arrested i think and i think that's the way you would get around it it's an interesting bet but it's going to become and it's a cool story right now that this guy and you might think to yourself if you're just a regular person law abiding citizen it's never been arrested before not even gotten close to an arrest before you might be thinking which i am one of those people you might be thinking, why would anyone do that? Get arrested for that much money? There are a lot of, you might be thinking that, but there are a lot of people out there that see that guy and they're like, that guy's a freaking genius. Be like, that sounds awesome. You just got to spend like one night in jail and you get 300K. Like how, how long is it going to take some people out there to make $300,000 just with their job. Four years, five years, six years. I think that's something to monitor. It's a situation to monitor. Obviously, I didn't say the name of the site or even the uh, the man that ran onto the field. Kind of like how CBS didn't show how far he got. They immediately just went to like commercial break. And obviously, if a fan storms the field, they obviously... Uh, metal detector you before going to the stadium so there's really no way there's going to be any harm to like the players or coaches or whoever on the field but you can't just have guys storming the fields like every week or every super bowl to win money because imagine if that was a close game imagine if tensions were really high and the chiefs were storming back and they were down by like nine points or eight points or six points or five points. And they have the ball in the 18. And then a guy storms the field and kills the momentum. That would suck. I would hate that if I was watching. I would hate that if I was a player. I'd hate that if I was a Chiefs fan or a Bucks fan. There's a lot of things you can get upset if you're a fan. This is something I'm kind of upset about especially if we're making stories about it, and especially if people are out there thinking this guy's a genius and that he's actually cool. He's a fucking criminal. Sorry, I just swore. He's a criminal. He has a record. He's been arrested multiple times. That athletic article detailed it. It was a really in-depth article. Marijuana, assault and battery. <sighs> uh, another story. I was thinking about talking about it. Figure I'd just mention it here at the end. I'm just kind of tired of talking the whole quarterback thing and having segments that are just like, is this quarterback going to get traded? Is that? But uh, Ron Jaworski, you know, the former Eagles quarterback, Eagles legend, played a long time ago, former ESPN analyst. He said that he knows that the Colts have offered at least two second-round picks for Carson Wentz. The uh, the offer for the Bears for Carson Wentz is apparently a first-round pick, Tariq Cohen, and 
Philly, the second Philly legend. The actually, if if Jaworski's the second most famous Philly quarterback, the most famous Philly quarterback would be in that trade. Nick Foles coming back home. Which is really weird if you look at Nick Foles' career. He's only been successful in Philadelphia. That's the only place he's been successful. He hasn't been successful as a quarterback anywhere else. Not in St. Louis. Not with Chicago. Not with Jacksonville. Only Philly. Something to monitor. It'll be interesting to see what the Eagles deem worthy of a price to trade for Carson Wentz because because they they want a Stafford deal so you know if you gave up two first you could do it but it's also if if the if the stuff that we've seen with Carson Wentz the few years isn't the environment that he was around isn't the offensive scheme isn't any of that stuff if he goes if the let's say the Bears trade two first for him they finally say screw it the GM and the coach, they're kind of on the hot seat. If they don't do something next year, they might be out. They say, screw it. We'll, we'll give you two firsts. We'll give you two firsts for Carson Wentz. And then Carson Wentz sucks, and he's not good. And he's playing below average, and he's missing receivers, and he's getting beat up, and that contract's still there, and it's worth a lot of money. And now all of a sudden, the Eagles might have a top 10 pick. They might have a top 15 pick for two years. And the Bears are stuck with Carson Wentz. All right. So I'm going to call that an end to the podcast for today. Pretty good one. A little bit of energy. I started doing um, writing little, if you haven't noticed, I did it yesterday. I did it today too. Little uh, kind of previews when I start the segment. I don't need to tell you my whole strategy, actually. Why would I do that? Why would I tell you my great strategy? But I also didn't proofread them this time, so I kind of had to do a lot of it off the top because I did not have good grammar. Either way, uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, you know, Please go rate, review, subscribe. Follow on Twitter and Instagram, JWSDetective. And as always, I will see you next time.